This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels 
National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio presents. I wish my ear could forget what my eyes have seen. Ten years ago, the groundbreaking firefighting movie Burn took audiences closer than they'd ever been. Into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them. Ten years in the making, the long-awaited follow-up is finally here. The workload has increased and manpower has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire class, 2019. Order your two-disc ultimate edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's worth that doesn't make the world a better place? Taylor's Tins, one of the best there is. A good friend of ours and supporter of National Fire Radio. He comes up first in a lineup of sponsors because he means that much to me. Taylor's been with us from day one. I hit him up on day one and said, brother, I love your shield. I love what it represents. I'd like to give them out to all of our podcast guests. And from day one, almost five years ago, we've been issuing Taylor's Tins to all of our guests as a keepsake and recognition for their willingness to share some time and their story with us in our community at National Fire Radio. These aluminum helmet fronts, they change the market. They're revolutionary in what they do. Even if you're a traditionalist with the leather shield, the aluminum shield offers so much when it comes to durability, cleanliness, decon, they can do it all with the aluminum shield. Their customer service, let's talk about that for a minute, where things usually take several weeks now to get your hands on them from the from conception to manufacturing process and out the door and onto your helmet. Taylor can turn around orders within 48 hours, whether it's a 500-piece shield order for your department or a one-off customized shield. Taylor's doing them, and he's doing them within 48 hours, and they're getting out the door. It's not just helmet shields. Nope, there's more. They got locker tags, carbon monoxide meter, you know, data sheets. They have pump data sheets, pump tags, locker tags, street signs, banquet gifts, you name it. The list goes on and on. Check them out at taylorstins.com. That's where they conduct business. You can hit them up on the chat right there. They walk you through the process of designing your custom Taylor's Tin from the website. So go to taylorstins.com, check them out. They represent the very best of what the American Fire Service is all about, and I'm proud to have them as a sponsor of the National Fire Radio platform. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. Hey, everybody, Jeremy, National Fire Radio, back today on the podcast with a very special guest, a gentleman that I've met a few times now. And the saying is true, everything in Texas is bigger. District Chief Clyde Gordon, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. Thank you. I love the fact that we our paths have crossed a couple times now, and we've we've had a lot of laughs and uh, shared a few pops, and it's just been a lot of fun to meet uh, guys that absolutely love the job, and you were certainly one of them. But where I was going with that intro was everything's bigger in Texas. It's not just a guy. I mean, you're you're a big guy by stature, and when I stand between <laughs> you and say Mo Davis, you know, both coming out of Houston, I feel like a little guy. You know, I'm short. I'm looking up at you guys. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mo's a big fella too. <laughs> yeah, yes, but you know what? But you know what's equally in in more impressive than that is how big your personalities are and how big your passion and love is for the fire service, and that's that's true and it's authentic. And what I've learned from the both of you and then getting to meet you, I've known Mo for a while now, but getting to know you and really starting to learn your story, 
it's just as deep and just as passionate. And uh, your personality, too, is infectious. And I, I love just hanging around and, and listening to you talk and listen and, and share some stories. It's a lot of fun. So thank you for well, – thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing your passion with us because, frankly, we need more of you. The job needs more of you. Uh, and, uh, and I'm glad that you're out teaching and starting to uh, attend more conferences and starting to get your word out there. Um, is that always been something you wanted to do? Um, yeah, you know, uh, I started as a kid. I was, uh, 16 years old, went to pizza hut with a best friend and he got a 50% discount on pizza because he was a volunteer fireman. And sadly <laughs> for myself and being a 16 year old kid from a little small town in Texas, I mean, that was, that was it for me. I didn't even know what firemen did at the time, but, uh, that 50% discount on pizza had me hooked. Hell and, yeah. But <laughs> still, I still enjoy pizza by the way, but of course uh, <laughs> it's still getting the discount. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't even ask for it anymore. <laughs> I know I'm teasing, but that's funny, man. I mean, talk about yeah. an intro to the fire service, right? We all come yeah. from different corners. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was a, a God thing with me. He, he figured out a way to get me in a fire station and, uh, it didn't take me very long to realize that that's what I was put together to do. And ever since, uh, I started, I just always had this interest in sharing what I knew and I was always just so passionate about it. I just absolutely love the fire service. Um, uh, I love the people in it. Um, what I love was, what going was the to hook? fires. What was the hook? For uh, I think, uh, part of it was just the camaraderie and the, the fellowship and the family atmosphere of it. Yeah. And then, uh, then that's uh, to be honest, the excitement I I'm, I've been doing this. Uh, if you count those years, almost 40 years. And if there was a fire right now in my neighborhood, I'd hang up the phone on you and go, you know what I mean? <laughs> of I course. Just, yeah. I just love going to fires and, and, you know, I'd like to say it's because I want to save lives and all that. And, and that's obviously a huge part of it, but it's uh it's the coolest thing you'll ever do. You know what I mean? Um, it, I just absolutely, uh, live and breathe it and love it love every minute of it you know what i love to talk about because a lot of guys don't you know when you when you think about guys coming into the fire service they often talk about like oh, i want to do it for my community i want to do this i want to do that right and it's always yeah. about somebody else or something else i love the personal satisfaction in it i'm a guy that yeah. likes to push myself I, I feel that you're the same way yeah absolutely i mean uh you know i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that well what it is is we work so hard so we can provide yes. 110% to people, yeah. but the, the working hard portion portion of it is, is a good time, you know, and I'm the same way. If I can go this far, well, I'm going to try to push and try to go a little further and a little further and, and see where my limits are because my, now that I'm older, I think about, well, maybe it'll take that. Maybe it'll take this, you know, where can I push myself? Where can I push my, my men to, to make that rescue? Before it was just kind of see how big of a badass I was, to be honest with you. Yes. But now it's I'm a little older. You get a little smarter as time goes by, and, <laughs> and I realize that if I'm surrounded by badasses, then we can do a lot of work and make a huge difference in people's lives. And that's that's really what it's about. But I do enjoy it, and I enjoy the adrenaline, and I enjoy sure. the push, and yeah, and I love screaming down the road. You know what I mean? It's just it's awesome. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You said 40 years in the fire service. I know you got about 33 years in Houston alone, right? Yes, and, sir. and so, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's a few years back. I mean, things were a little bit different. The script was a little bit different back then. And when you were riding the back step, 
I mean, talk about those early days and how influential they were for you. I know you said that you enjoyed the camaraderie, you love going to fires, but like your mentors, people that influenced you, the guys that you rode that back step with to watch them go up through their career, what does that all mean to you? Like, what was that foundation for you? What did it look like? Um, well, you know, back then, uh, I was lucky enough to ride tailboard and, you know, as a new guy, you just didn't say a lot. Uh, you just kept your mouth shut and listened, but the guys that, uh, you know, I worked around, um, they were smoke eaters. They were, they were tough as nails. And, you know, I, I tell a story in my class that, uh, you know, my first officer told me, he said, Clyde, all I want to see is wheelbarrow tracks in a front yard when we get there. And, uh, I, I, I grew up with horses and stuff and I wheelbarrows suck, you know what I mean? And I didn't understand what he meant, but then he finished his statement and said, Clyde, that's where car- firemen carry their nuts is in a wheelbarrow. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if that's appropriate for our, our discussion, but no, the, the point of these guys were, it was a lot of ego and bravado and they were tough and they didn't back down from anything. And, uh, you know, the city of Houston was known as aggressive interior firefighters, period. We didn't go defensive. We didn't pull multiples. We didn't do anything. Um, you just put it out and to do that, man, you had to be tough, but, and, and I've learned, and, and some of that was very positive. Uh, I, I learned what I could do. I learned how much I could actually do. I think a lot of guys today, they're, they're not taught how, you know, as much as they can do. They, they're, they're told, don't be careful, watch out, you know, so much that they don't even understand how much they can do and yeah. how far they can go. And those guys set a foundation. Some of it wasn't always good. It kind of got to a, a, a whole nother level where it was a little extreme and it took me getting hurt and, and seeing a lot of different things, you know, the fire grounds changed so much too. Back then, you know, we're looking at shiplap, it's burning like crazy, but it's, it's uh it's a big bonfire typically, yeah, you know right. what I mean? Normal now yeah. the fires are just a, a lot different, move a lot faster. So you got to be a little smarter than we were. I would, I had three qualifications, big, dumb, and strong, you know, that's what they were <laughs> looking for. So, um, but those guys, they, they taught me what it's like to be a true firefighter, that uh, it's okay to push it. Uh, you need to be aggressive. You need to try to get in there and knock it out and, and save people's property. You got to get in there and save their lives. And and uh, it really was an awesome time to be in the fire service. I got kind of on the end of our war years. So I got a lot of experience and made a lot of fires, and it was just a blessing to me. I think what was fun about that, and the reason why I wanted to ask that is that it kind of had a feeling that's where it was going to go in the conversation because you talked about being pushed, and it takes a foundation of learning your own skills and abilities for you now as a boss years later to push your people, right? Because you were pushed, and you were pushed to understand what the limits were, where you could where you could take that little, you know, you could cross that line and come back across the line and, and, and so on. And so as a manager, as a boss now, as a district chief, where it's basically your sandbox, you're now making those decisions, instilling your values and your culture on your company bosses, and then that trickles down to the backstep firemen. You, you, because of your foundation, now has allowed – your other your people to work under you in a way that you were pushed right how important is pushing your other your firefighters and pushing managers like i i believe so heavily in that that people that you see value in i push them harder than i would push somebody else right yeah what, what does absolutely. that mean to you yeah yeah i mean well first off uh you know like for me i have to set expectation 
And guys that come to work with me, we sit down. I don't care if you're a firefighter or a senior captain. We're going to sit down and discuss what my expectations are of you. And as a leader or as a firefighter, I expect you to to push yourself to that extreme, to that limit. Not to the point of being reckless and dangerous and stupid, right. but there is a time to push and understand that I'm going to push you. If I feel like the risk is uh, needed, um, they're telling me that their grandmother's in there, but we're going to push it and we're going to push it as hard as we can. But it also takes a lot more involvement on my part. Um, the officers and stuff back in my day, you know, they just assigned you to the old head there and uh, he taught me how to do everything. Well, at least in Houston, we don't really have that culture as much anymore. And these younger guys are making officer and they don't have the experience and they didn't have that luxury of growing up with a guy who had been a firefighter on the back step of a busy pumper for 25 years. Right. And uh, so uh, I have to become more involved in the training and, the, and showing them what I expect from them. So we spend a lot of time uh, just training, pushing each other, uh, trying to understand the fire ground and what's going to happen. So they will get a better picture of it. But I've been told several times by my officers that they just, they love working for a chief that'll let them go, yes. you know, and, uh, you gotta let them go. If you've set expectation, if you've trained, if you've showed that shown them what, what is, what is the limit? Like, where am I thinking the limit is? You know what I mean? Then just let them go. They're smart. You've, you've put the time in, allow them to think, allow them to make decisions. And if they make a poor one, then we talk about it. We figure out. Hey, look, this was a little much for me. I got nervous about you, you know, those type of things. And uh, so next time we, we reel it in a little bit. But um, you'll be amazed what your people can do if you'll just spend time with them and then let them go. Let them do their thing. And uh, I, I'm just lucky. I'm surrounded by outstanding officers, outstanding firefighters that want to be there. Yeah, there's a lot there, right? So a couple things, right, that I heard you say, like, you know, for managers to allow their people to work, right? That's what they want, right? You Company sure. bosses and their backstep firefighters want to work and they don't want to be held back or, or micromanaged. And I think a gentleman like yourself with the pedigree that you have and the abilities that you learned early on from the days of being pushed and learning your limits, you trust your people, you trust yourself, and I think that's a big thing that's lacking today is that our managers aren't confident in their own skills, so they can't be confident in their people's skills. And so for a chief like you, who is still remaining very hands-on with his companies and setting those expectations, there is that level of mutual respect and trust, and so you can let your people work. But yes. I know there's, there's, a, there's a, a big part of this job these days where that's not the case. Right, yeah, and, and I, see a, I see a trend towards – um, putting, putting, uh, restraints on everybody. And, yeah. and a lot of it has to do with inexperience, you know, <laughs> and it's exactly what you just said. If, if me as a chief, if I've only made three house fires in a year, I'm not going to have that experience level and be as comfortable. So then my, my concerns are going to flow onto my, my companies yeah. and I'm going to be a little less, uh, risky with them. Um, it's but, good way to put it. Very uh, good way to put you know, it. you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, push and train and it goes back to our training and our culture and what's the culture of your fire department do you have an, an aggressive culture or you have a safety conscious culture right and i don't want people to get me wrong like i'm i'm some sort of wild indian out here but and you know what we do is inherently dangerous and we've got to push it um 
but you also had to be very, very smart. And there's no, there's no reason to not be smart nowadays. If you don't understand this job, it's your own fault because there's every opportunity and avenue for you to get better. There's conferences everywhere. There's stuff online. There's podcasts like yourself. I mean, there's no reason for you not to be better. You just have to get out of your own own little world there and seek it. That's awesome, and that's fantastic advice, and you're 100% accurate in that statement. You have more tools now than ever to be better at this game. Yeah, yeah. We had Firehouse Magazine and Fire Engineering, and it came to the fire station. We sat on the toilet and read it. That was it. Yep. You know what I mean? And uh, we had old heads that taught us, and and – you know, I was the same way. I, I knew everything the Houston fire department did, but I didn't know what Dallas had did. And they're just right down the road, you know? Um, and we can learn a lot from each other and we have the tendency to stay in our own little silo, which to me is a, is a huge weakness in the fire service. I mean, you're almost inbred, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I've been lucky enough to travel and do different things and meet different people and see, you know, different tactics. And there's, there's things we do district eight Bravo, because there's supposedly suburban tactics or rural tactics, but man, they work great downtown. And so we do them, you know, and I have that luxury of being able to implement some things that aren't necessarily in the Houston fire department wheelhouse, but man, they just work. Why wouldn't we do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I love what you said before too, about being dialed in on your, on your managers below you, your bosses below your company officers and the firefighters and still being engaged in the training and the culture of that because that then holds you accountable, right? And so yeah. how, how important is that for you then to further your education in the state current? Because I think a lot of bosses, they, they, fall, out of, they fall out of the need to keep training and continuing to better themselves. We need to do a better job in letting the chiefs know the gold, the, you know, the gold shields, and the you know in the white hats that they need to continue their education too. One of my favorite things is when I go to conference with guys like you, and you go up and you do your your two hour presentation. When you sit back down and somebody else goes up, you're the first guy in the front row with a notebook in your lap taking notes on the guy that's now speaking. I think that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> well, you know, so many people look at it like, you know, okay, I made battalion chief or whatever. Well, I've made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm done. And and. I'm telling you right now, you just started Mm. all of that stuff previous to that point has prepared you for where you are now. And you've got to understand that you're sending people potentially to their death. You know, every time you send them in, they, they, they could very likely die. We're, we're not planning on that, but it is always a possibility. And I'm not going to do that just as a whim. You know what I mean? I take that very, very seriously. That's why, you know, I do. I spend a lot of time trying to understand what we're doing. I read books. I listen to podcasts. Um, I just think it's imperative. And especially if you want good crews and you want respect from good crews. Um, I think a lot of my guys respect me because they know I've kind of been there, done that. And, and I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to do as best job as I can. And I'm allowing them to do things. And we learn together. Yeah. Because we do a, 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 the badges go on the table every time we put hose on the ground and we talk and they're like, chief, why did we do this? And I'll be like, well, I thought it was a good idea, but obviously it wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, no, they I have the luxury to be able to talk to me. And, and, uh, I just think it's imperative. I think you're totally missing the boat. If you get up there and you go to your office and do paperwork and you just sit there all day long, um, you know, I'm always involved with what they do, probably to a point of being a pain in the ass, but now they're used to me. 
And they're like, whatever, he's just one of us. You but know what I mean? He yeah, just, they just move on. Twofold. One, that's following up on your level of expectation from them because you're doing it yourself. You're in the trenches with them regardless. What you just said, badges yeah. on the table, right? So it sets, yeah. it sets the level of, of expectation, but it, it also reinforces to the guys that didn't know you from 33 years ago when you were a badass backstep fireman pushing yourself to the limit on every ordinary combustible fire you could possibly get your ass into, right? Those yeah. guys did, weren't there when you were going to those fires, so they only know some stories, but what they see is the the culmination of a career that now you're riding in the buggy and your abilities, your abilities to teach and show and lead from the front because of your past shows them that you're credible. Right. Right. I have a guy that works for me and he and I have become best friends and I didn't know him. And, uh, you know, when he came to, to uh, my station and one day he sat down, he said, chief, you know why I came to work for you? And I was like, no, I have no idea. And, uh, he said, we, uh, y'all made a fire and he was working in my district, but driving the ambulance. And, uh, the next day we went over there, just do some training. It was burned out. We could get into it and tear some more stuff up and, and uh, he said, uh, I like real shiny shoes and nice starch white shirts. You know, I like to look halfway decent. So um, I started talking to him, though, because I spent 15 years on an engine. So I was just talking about engine work and got down on my hands and knees talking about neutral planes and this and that and other. And he goes, man, it made such an impression. He said, first off, I've never seen a chief come to training ever. Hmm. And then for you to get down in that burned out house um, in your nice shirt and shiny shoes and, and just talk to us. He said, it made such an impact on me. I had to come work for you. And I was Powerful. just being quiet. You yeah. know what I mean? I was just doing what I do, but I see it in my fire department. You know, I, I take the uh, chief's gear off of the buggy and it's still in a gear bag. And you know what I mean? They have no intentions of becoming involved at any level right. other than sitting in the car, talking on the radio. And I think they're missing the boat. I mean, I, I run fires from the front yard, if at all possible. Um, I want those guys walking past me. I'm their chief. I'm their leader. If they're going to die in there, they walk past me and saw the confidence that I had in them when they went in. Something bad just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And I think I get a, a better feel of the fire ground from there. Yeah. So the Houston Fire Department has their standard, but then there's Clyde Gordon's standard. District sure. Eight, right? Yes, and so sir. Yes, sir. When, when you craft your own standard, if you will, and that's through setting the level of expectation of everything else, you then hold your people to that standard. How important is it to set a standard and then make sure that you don't go below it? Yeah, I mean, it's imperative, uh, you know, and, and I do. I don't just say it. I do it. I yes. mean, the other night we had some issues. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. I was going to let it go until the next day. Then something else came up, and I said, you know what? We're going to deal with it right now. So at 11 something at night, here we are in my office taking care of problems because we're just not going to allow this to occur. Plus, we have another half a shift left, you know, that uh, this could become a bigger issue. Yes. So um, it's just imperative. Uh, you know, I, as a young officer, you, you don't always know what to do. Um, and the Houston Fire Department is not very good at training you to be a good officer. And, uh, you know, I had an instance where, um, I had a, a firefighter who had spent 99% of his career as paramedic. He, uh, he does skill level and everything. He was just poor. And, uh, I was real uncomfortable dealing with 
his uh weaknesses i didn't want to be the bad guy i didn't want i knew his dad i didn't want him upset with me um and i had never been in that situation because the guys i worked with were outstanding i never had to deal with those type of problems right but uh you know so long story short you know we had the he had the opportunity to leave me i was at a real busy house he went to a real slow house and a few months later he was dead and uh he died in a house fire and the top five things that killed him, I could have fixed. I could have fixed any of them. Yeah. Uh, just with a little time. And uh, he probably would be alive today. And, you know, it, it taught me then. It's like, look, I have expectations of people. And you have to have difficult conversations with folks. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's nothing personal. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not walking around here arrogant and egotistical. But what you're doing right now isn't working. And I have to bring you up to a level because it's a, it's a chain reaction. I mean um we got to figure out what's wrong and we got to fix it because you're going to cause problems for me and the guy down the road and the people that we're responding to this episode's brought to you by taylor's tins taylor and his crew at taylor's tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 tins in the market they are a leader in the helmet front space Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform, and Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout... For a little extra bonus, use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. 
reach out to Steve and the crew. Info at AffordableDrillTowers.com. Ask for a demo. Ask for information or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. Yeah, and that's a it's a super powerful story, and I know you talk about that um, in your one class that I that I had the fortunate ability to sit in on, and you really talk about that story and how that shaped a lot of your outlook in your future, you know, in your in your next years of the job and how to manage with people and and handling those difficult conversations. And there was a statement you made, and it said, "Don't lower yourself to someone else's standard; bring people up." That is so powerful profound and important and you do have to live that that experience that you that you just shared with us I mean that is really a career changing moment I would think that you had to come to a crossroads and say I'm either going to bury my head in the sand and this could happen again or or I need to change my ways and I need to be a, a, a boss that allows for his people to succeed yeah I mean you know um it did it it, it affected me profoundly yeah because uh, I, I I felt a lot of responsibility for it. Sure. I mean, that, he was a grown man also. Um, you can't put it all on me, but um, I let him down. There were things I should have done that I knew I should have done, but it was going to be uncomfortable to do. And, uh, man, we, we just have a bigger responsibility than that. And you have to just get out of the get out of your comfort zone and talk to people and, and explain to them. And we all know a guy like that. That's the thing. There's yes. not a fire station in this country that doesn't have a guy who has just given up. He doesn't give a crap. He, you know, whatever it is, whatever reason, but he's a detriment to your crew and he's going to cause you issues and you have to deal with those issues and it's going to piss somebody off, but it's okay. They'll get happy again too, you know, or they'll do whatever they got to do. But, uh, you know, it's just a bigger responsibility that we have and you, you owe it to people to do that because what I don't want to do I judge everything on the, like that on if something bad happens, can I lay my head down at night and sleep? Um, because I carry those things with me. I don't want to carry this for the rest of my life. So did I actually do everything I could have done and bad things just happened or did I ignore it, push it down the road, kick the can down the road and now look what's happened. Yeah, and that's that self-reflection and accountability that I that we need more than ever today. We need people to hold themselves to a higher standard, and therefore, when they do that to themselves, they can then ask others to perform at the same level. And you yeah, know, we yeah, need, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Well, you know, you don't get any respect by telling people what to do. Yeah, you know what I mean. You've got to. You can talk a good talk, but if firemen are smart, if they smell BS, <laughs> man, you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred so, percent. Hundred percent. You know, you got to show them that you know it, I'm part of this. You know, uh, we burned the other day. We we're doing stairwell operations and crappy stairwells. Yeah, I was there to evaluate how they were doing, but I was I didn't evaluate from the from the street. I evaluated from the stairwell. You know what I mean? Sure. And I stayed out of their way. I'm sure they didn't like me in there because every mistake they made, they knew I saw it. But I also didn't use that against them. I was like, well, okay. This is where it looked like it was weak. This is where it was strong. Let's work on this. You know what I mean? I'm not there to beat you down like, you know, an abusive parent. I'm there to to see where we are and let's work on it. Now, if we worked on it and we trained you and we continue to have issues, then we'll deal with those issues. But uh, most guys want to do a good job. They just need direction and some help to get there a lot of times. Yeah, and I I think, too, you know, a lot of times guys aren't going to ask for the help. 
And so no. as, as a dialed in, as a dialed in leader, as a dialed in district chief or company officer, watching the deficiencies of those around you and helping them better their position is usually a voluntary thing, meaning you have to offer and show them how to better themselves because they're not going to come ask. Right. No, no, no farmer's going to say, hey, I don't know how to do this. That's right. show it, ain't, it ain't happening. So you go out there and, and out of respect, you go through things. And, and I never try to demean or embarrass anybody, but we're going to ask you, you know, uh, if you're driving the pumper and you spot it in a terrible place, I'm going to ask you, why'd you spot it here? And most of the times they're just going to be like, I don't know, this is where it stops. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, then we talk about, well, look, if you'd have rolled up a few feet, if you'd have stopped here, if you'd have done this, look how much better it would have been. And uh, then they start to get it. And then if you do that every single time, you know, first they're going to think you're just nitpicky and finding stuff to gripe about. But then they realize, no, he's just trying to make me better. You know, right. and then they start thinking about the placement instead of just parking. They're starting to position apparatus and all, all of these things. But it's a culture that you have to create. You're not going to go in there and it's not going to happen overnight. And it's you finding, have to create this culture. Yeah, yeah. And it's finding the way to deliver that message without being um, condescending or uh, authoritative or, you know, yeah. it's, it's you know, a lot of the people skills involved are, are super important. And one is just being able to talk to people understanding yeah. how to pick people up in a conversation, even when they're deficient, there's a way you can package that conversation and say, listen, you know, tell me why you did this, but let me show you this and do it in a way of reinforcement so that yes, they were deficient, but let me show you how to do it correctly and make them, make them understand that you're not coming at them or attacking them, but it's more so to correct the situation and that you're, you're, they're part of the, the, the equation of it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that reach like the battalion chief level and stuff, man, you got to get out of your own way. You're not near as special <laughs> as you think you are. You know what I mean? I love um, go with you that, know, man. Just, go. Yeah. Just shut up. Get your ego out of the way and realize that you're, you're in that position to help everybody else succeed. Because if everybody else, I, I don't show up to fires and put them out. You know what I mean? When we walk away and we look like champions, it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with my crews, and they killed it. That's why this went so well, and and it was a, 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 a effort between all of us. All I did was orchestrate it. I just stand up there with my baton and try to get them pointed in the right way. But uh, man, you know, leave your ego at home. It has nothing to do with you, and you need to talk to people. And uh, kindness goes a long way. You know what I mean? But I also will tell you, don't mistake my kindness as a weakness. 100%. You know, I would prefer would prefer to be kind to you but don't think you're going to walk on me and um that's also your you know guys understand your culture and your command presence you know people ask me well, how do you run a fire from the front yard don't people come and yank and pull on you and this and that no they don't because we could have been drinking coffee and bsing and laughing about deer hunting five minutes ago but now when i'm in that front yard they're not getting near me i have this circle around me they know they can go talk to my ICT, but they know that I have 100% focus on what's going on. And don't just come up there and start jammering and yammering at me. You know, it's called command presence. You have to develop that. And you have to, again, set expectations. You talk with your crew. Hey, you see me standing out there working a fire? Unless you say, oh, my God, I think I'm dying. <laughs> don't yeah. come talk to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, because I have a job and so do you. So. No, that's a very good way to put it, and I, that all comes with those expectations. 
This is my fireground presence. This is my command presence. And you guys know that because we train, we talk, you understand how this works. I mean, that, that's yeah, just, it's yeah. huge. So talk to me about trust. I know trust is important. There's a lot of words that I can put in your basket, right? Integrity, accountability, work ethic, you know, um, orientation, management, all these things that are just big, powerful words that you can break down. I've heard you talk about all of them. I know trust is very important to you. Trust in our own people, which we've been talking about, right? But also trust that the citizens in your city or your residents have within us. And that's kind of an important topic for you too, this service-oriented, customer service-focused, you know, we're here for them type thing. Talk about that a little bit. How important is that? Where did you really learn that foundation? Was that very early on that that your, uh, that this profession was solely about the citizens and the people we protect? Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's what for, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, I think for a long time, I think it was about Clyde. You know, uh, mm. I wanted to do the coolest shit on earth. Hell yeah. And uh, I thought I was the biggest, baddest mother walking. And for a long time, that's the way it was. And, uh, but when I got, uh, my first engine as an officer, I worked in a really low income neighborhood and I started seeing a lot of people who, if we didn't leave the house fast, that was just more stuff they were losing. Um, there were people dying around us all the time wow. from fires. And, um, you know, I would drive past a fire that maybe we saved half the house and I would look and I'm like, God dang, they had boarded up the side that burned and like separated the house and they were living on the unburned side. Yeah. You know, these yeah. people have nothing. Right. And so it started to become very clear to me that what we do, whether it's property or life or both, I mean, it's huge. You know, they, they don't have the, the opportunities that I do. So, uh, it just made a big difference. I, I, uh, we made a fire one day, five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and we pull up and you can see the header. I mean, it's getting it. And, uh, there's a little lady coming across the yard in, uh, with her walker. Like she's just barely making it across the yard. So the first thing I think is where's pops, you know, yeah, pops right. has got to be here too. And, uh, well, there was no pops. We found out right away, but this house is heavily involved. There's one bedroom that's not, not, uh, burning, but there's black smoke boiling out of it. Well, my deal's always been, I'm a push, you know, if I push and you back up, well, I'm gonna keep pushing. And, uh, it was sketchy, you know, my kid with me is brand new. Um, you know, he fell through the floor and, you know, it was one of those, but anyway, we got it, we got it knocked out. And, uh, some guys kind of criticized me and said, man, I think that was a little much. Maybe you shouldn't have been in there, this and that. Well, the lady, she said, uh, honey, she said, uh, could I went and apologized to her that we couldn't save her house. Wow. And, uh, you know, cause it just, it just means something to me. She goes, honey, I don't care about that old house, but she goes, well, let me tell you something. Uh, do would you mind looking for something? I said, sure. I will. She said in my shiffer robe and in that neighborhood, a shift robe is a dresser. Okay. She said under my unmentionables, <laughs> which would be her underwear and stuff is, is a bank, uh, envelope. I said, okay. So she said, that's all the money I got. I said, all right. So sure enough, we went in that burned out bedroom that we had stopped it there. It was black to the carpet, but got to looking around and I, under her unmentionables, I found this little envelope. Uh, I didn't look in it, but it couldn't have had but a couple bills in it. Yeah. And uh, we glanced around. We found her family Bible and her teeth in a jar next to the, to the bed. Wow. And that was about all that was left in that room. So 
we took it out to her and she was sitting in the street and by now her daughters had gotten there and they were probably in their forties and fifties. And I heard them start cheering that mama, mama, he found it. He found it. And I was like looking around, like who are they cheering for? You know? And as I got closer, I realized they were cheering for me and my rookie. And, uh, it just meant so much to me, not that they were cheering for me, but she told me, she said, honey, that's all I ever wanted out of that house. Cause I gave her a Bible, which was her history. Yeah. I gave her a little money and then I gave her, her teeth, which brought back some dignity, sure. you know? And, uh, it made such an impression on me that what we think is garbage, what we would have put in a shovel and flung out the window meant the world to this woman. And that's what we're there to do. You know, you, you're not there to judge what is important and what's not our judges get our ass out of the house. And when we show up, we give them 150%, everything we can do. And sometimes that's nothing. Sometimes we can't fix it. But if you can fix it, you need to be trying to fix it. You know, uh, I think guys take it too nonchalant and too too easy uh, what we do. Um, they're just waiting on the baby to be trapped somewhere. But I'm telling you, everything you do makes a difference in people's lives. And you don't know what the smallest thing that you've done that just meant nothing to you is a huge thing to someone else because you just don't know where people are and they deserve our best and they deserve us to get out of there and do everything we can for them. And that's just where it, it comes to me. And, and it, I, I, I encourage my people to think of everything they do that way. And, um, you know, that's just kind of where we're at. And it's a culture that you create in your, in your station. Um, I want my guys to be able to speak to me at any point. When I came in, you didn't talk to the chief. You just didn't do it. Yeah. Um, uh, but now I want them, I want to be approachable to them. I want them to trust me. Uh, we had one of our guys who spent several tours in Iraq. Um, he, he had a hard time with things and they met me early one morning in the parking lot, which would have never happened back in the day. Um, I said, man, we got a problem. And I'm like, what is it? They said, well, we went out drinking yesterday and, uh, we had a good time and I got up in the middle of the night and I found, found this guy with a pistol jammed in his mouth and the couch, he's about to, wow. about to kill himself right there. And his, you know, wow. and, uh, thank God they felt comfortable coming to me yes. because we stopped everything. We shut the station down and, and I uh, got that guy in my room and I said, look, buddy, you know, we're not gonna be able to hide this. You know, there's 15 other guys wanting to know why you're in my room five o'clock you know yeah so no, uh, for sure but you gotta understand how much we love you and uh, you're our family and we're gonna make this right right now and uh those guys out there that are wondering why you're in here they love you too and uh man we we had the luxury thank god houston fire department takes care of us on that end of things we had people there within minutes and uh that guy's alive today he's changed his life because the trust that was between all of us. They knew they could come to me and talk to me and I'd do the right thing. And I wouldn't make a big deal out of it. You know, I'd keep it as small as I could, but yeah, right. they knew I had to do something. And of course. you know, those are the things that's what people expect from us. Um, you know, no one is going to have a sick infant newborn and hand it to just anybody, but right. they'll hand it to you. And you, you got to take those, that type of trust very seriously because, uh, you change people's lives out there. You don't even know you're doing it, but I'm telling you, you change people's lives. 
I, I will tell you the last like six, seven minutes of this podcast, I found myself just being a listener, not even moderating it. That was so powerful, brother. I mean, just the, the story about uh, the uh, the older woman and, and so on and, and how important it was to make that aggressive push because you were able to save what little she had compared to what most of us take for granted. And yeah. like I, I, that moment in this podcast, this episode, I need every firefighter in the world to listen to that story because it is so, it is incredibly profound chief. It, it's powerful. And I found well, myself just sitting and listening to you talk. And it was I, I, I really just a moment there. I really, and it must've really shaped you though. It did. It really, it meant so much to me and I wouldn't have got, myself or my my guy hurt you know what i mean you know and and when i talk about hurt i'm talking about oh you're going to the burn unit yeah, uh, right. you know mm-hmm. uh, hurt in a burnt ear i'm talking you know what i mean we I do get that it. pretty regular but um you know but it was uh, the fire was backing down and as long as she backs down i'm gonna keep pushing and um i didn't know why i just knew but when it was all said and done i was like man guys that's that's what we're here about i brought them all together you know i was like y'all Y'all just need to look at this and understand what you did here today. And for the next 30 years of your career, this is what you need to push for. Um, Because we can't always fix people's problems. But if you have the opportunity, then you need to try. And, you know, I see guys that take it like, ah, this is nothing. Oh, this BS. This is it. And I, I just don't get it because you just don't ever know where people are. Yeah. Yeah. And then for you to share your story about one of your own. It just this the story, you know, the the topic of trust is where we got how we got to these stories and to see how important that word is to you. I mean, you live it and you believe in your people and you believe in the citizens you protect. It's just very powerful, Chief. Really incredible. So what's exciting for you? Right. We talked about a lot of different topics here, things that are passionate to you. A lot of times we talk, we get we get uh, annoyed, frustrated. We talk about the bad stuff. What's good? What what when you're driving home or you're driving around the city, you're coming back, picking up from a run, what's good? What's happening that's good and exciting that you're excited about? <laughs> oh, well, um uh that's a little difficult. I know, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with it, right? Yeah. But uh, No, but- well it's I mean, I I think for me the the good is what I see in these other guys and I enjoy watching my crews be successful. There you go. I enjoy watching them train hard and train hard. And then all of a sudden, all of that pays off. You know what I mean? Yes. And they just absolutely kill it. And they know they killed it. You know what I mean? They're not arrogant about it, but they're like, oh, yeah, we killed it. You know what I mean? And uh, I I enjoy that. And as an older guy, I'm more of a dad than I am a a brother now you yeah. know what i mean yes uh i like to see my kids succeed and uh and you know that's exciting to me and <laughs> the fire service in general I, i'm excited to see all the the new and the changes and the and the information that's out there i mean like i said before these guys should not be ignorant at all ever you know if you're ignorant it's your choice so yes. um get out of your comfort zone and do things but but i really enjoy when things just go well and my guys do a good job. And then to me, that's, that just set the standard, you know, now we can up it a little bit more. Um, I, uh, we had a fire the other day in a four story town home. We have all these real tall, narrow town homes. They just pack as many of them as they can in there. Right. So we've had to alter our tactics because, um, you can't hardly get to them and they're just complicated. And, uh, anyway, I told my, 
my truck chauffeur, I want the truck in the game every time. You know what I mean? And I'm like, hey, bring the truck in, get it in the game. He's like, yes, sir. So he backed it down this little alley and short jacked it. And I mean, he thread the needle with this thing. Right. And uh, I was so happy. Like, it shocked me. Like, I had to move my command post because he was going to run me over. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he's got it in there. And uh, I was like, man, I was just so impressed and so happy with him. But I was like, you kind of screwed yourself, brother, because now this is what I expect out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Set the bar and, high. Uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. But but that's the way it ought to be. You know, yes. I, I, I gave him the opportunity to make the decisions himself. Um, he, uh, he, he, he challenged himself, he pushed himself and he succeeded. And guess what? That goes a long way with him. Cause when I do need him to, to, to do something that's a little on edge, you know, he's going to be confident enough to do that. And you have to share confidence with your people that you, you're confident in them and, uh, let them know they can do things and let them do it. Let them fail. Let them figure it out. Um, it's okay. You know what I mean? Um, there are times where obviously I have to get really involved because what you do right now makes a huge difference. Well, I have no flexibility, but I would prefer to give you an order and let you figure it out a little bit on your own. Um, and it works well for us. So, but. yeah, and that, that is exciting, man. I mean, picking up from a job and heading back after your guys just crushed it. Like that yeah. is the culmination of everything that you work for. You work hard from the storytelling and the extra minutes on the apparatus floor or sitting around the kitchen table sharing an extra five-minute story when you could have got up and went back to your room, right? Or, yeah. you know, or the, the training and the hard hours you're putting in on the street. That all comes together and, like, truthfully, like big daddy, right? Like big dad, yeah. man. Like just being oh, proud. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, yeah, you're proud of your kids when they, when they do things that you've been – raising them and teaching them for the last 19 years, you know? Yeah. Uh, I have the same pride. I have a daughter that's going to Texas A&M and I see her do things and I'm like, well, that started a long time ago, you know, for yes. her to be thinking that way. And, and it's the same thing with them. I mean, I watch them do things and I'm like, man, you know, we're killing it. Well, you know, and, and it is a very proud moment for me. And, uh, but I don't, and I don't feel so. comfortable Should there. Be. We just keep going. That's you right. Know? We got to keep right. going. I talk, I talk a lot about the foundational bricks, right, and building that foundation. It's brick by brick, and it's experience and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, just all of that put together, and you keep stacking these bricks together to make a firm foundation. And as that foundation gets stronger and stronger with experience and, and uh, situations that you come out on top or the negative ones that you learn from, it all makes that foundation super strong. And so for 33 years, Chief, now, your foundation's pretty solid, and now you're letting your people build on top of it. It's fantastic it really is yeah. i love well, it thank you yeah they uh they gotta be able to you know i'm not gonna be there forever so somebody's got to take my spot and i want it to be one of these guys you know that have it's cool that have learned and and have the same thought process as i do yeah you know, let people work so for sure so what's next for clyde gordon what's going on chief what's next for you just gonna do some <laughs> more training teaching Climbing oh, the yeah. ranks. What are we doing? No, no. Clyde's done as far as rank climbing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that district chief uh, job's a good gig, right? I mean, it, it's. Oh, it, man. I love it. I, I'll be honest with you. I loved being an engine officer. Yeah. You know, firefighter was cool for a long time. I did that for 11 years. Sure. Uh, um, then I just, you know, I enjoyed the engine and probably would have stayed there. I got hurt a few times and I, I get to see the writing on the wall couldn't do that forever yeah because my 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 goal to be on a slow engine that, that i have no interest in that so i always wanted to be busy but anyway i made battalion chief and uh 
or district chief and and it's for where i am in my career now i absolutely love it because i am involved i do spend a lot of time with them i I try to make things better i bring new stuff all the time you know and they get i'm sure frustrated because i'll be man this is the coolest thing ever look at this and uh, y'all try it out yeah and like a, a week later like that sucks that's the worst thing we've ever done like, in our oh, life. God. okay uh, God, you know? the, chief, the chief went to another conference this weekend that's can't right. wait to see what he's bringing back that's exactly right <laughs> i yeah. think that happens yeah. everywhere when guys go to conferences yeah. and come back from it right yeah the rest of the guys Fair sitting around enough. the table are like oh boy here we go what, what are we gonna yeah, learn here this we go week? we know we're gonna be doing yeah. something new and stupid yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i give them the opportunity you know but um yeah the next step for me would be deputy i don't care nothing about that but um you know i don't know we talk about retiring in a couple of years but i don't know if that's what i want to do either got it um i get frustrated with current situations but when it comes to the fire station and going to fires i still love it i feel like i'm 25 years old and you know i'd go to a fire every day if they let me i'd go to every fire in the city if they let me yeah um so we'll see but i would like Good. to uh do more training and more speaking and i absolutely love doing that uh we're trying to uh, we're getting more into some hands-on things, you know, um, and, uh, but I, I, I just love to travel and speak to guys and, um, sharing what I know and learning from them. And yeah. Well, I just I, love hanging out with firemen, man. Yeah, I just well, love them. You I've know? seen it all so. firsthand. We've been to a couple, a couple joint conferences together now and, uh, so, and I just saw you in Long Island, New York, not too long ago. And, yes, uh, it was absolutely hilarious. We had the Joey D foundation training weekend and there you are hanging out dirty gear and i'm like what are you what are you teaching You're like i don't know i'm just trying to get in anywhere they can put me i'm just i just want to go in i just want to check this burn building out i just want to it was so fun to watch the excitement on your face i mean oh yeah know, and it's just i think that just speaks to who you are and and what the last 50 minutes of this podcast was is just your love and passion for this job and the way that you can disseminate that into your people and down through the ranks, I think battalion chief or district chief is a great spot for you because you're affecting change within the Houston fire department. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's, yeah. that's where God's brought me and that's what I feel like I'm there to do. And Good. I don't always make friends there. You know, I probably got more friends out in the country than I do where I actually work, but yeah, that's okay. Well, that's usually the uh, case not, for I, most I guys. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about their feelings. You yeah. know, I don't no. get it, um, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, we I have a responsibility to people, and and that's what I try to do, and that's what I try to uphold, and and I do love it. And Good. yeah, I I ended up burning for a day and a half out there because I finally found my my little hole, and Aaron Heller let me sneak in, and nice. Hey, man, I was stoking and having hey. the greatest time of my life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that's fantastic, and I really hope that that is something that you're going to pursue for a long time to come. I knowing you and getting to know you and even today, just learning a little bit more about you sitting through your class, meeting you, getting to know you, becoming friends with you. I think you have a lot to bring to the table and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. So I hope you make the, you make it through to different conferences and you get to share your word and, and, and do some, te- do some more teaching. Cause I think that, uh, through true experience and, and uh, street smart experience and, and knowledge that you have, you bring a lot to the table. So looking forward to well, where the where the future goes for you, Chief, for sure. Well, me too, man. You tell yeah. them to call me and I'm there. I'll pack my little bag and I'll be on my Well, way, we're going to so. do that right now. So we're going to wrap up. <laughs> where can people get a hold of you? Where can they continue the conversation? Or where can they find out, uh, you know, how to get you to come in and do a class or teach? Where can they reach out to you? <laughs> yeah, well, um, 
So the easiest thing that I know to do is Facebook. Okay. Um, I'm on there. That's about the only thing I know how to do. Got it. Um, and it's just Clyde Gordon. Um, I've been doing a little TikTok. Apparently, that's the new cool thing. But uh, <laughs> I can't promise you those are all that great. I um, love that. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, and then uh, email at uh, sbtac tac gordon g o r d o n at gmail dot com. That's my email. But uh, if you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows me, just call me on my phone, too. I don't care. Um, I, I'm easy going, man. And and I really would. I'd love to come out and share things. Mo and I do things together. Sure. And, uh, um, you know, but uh, I'll go anywhere and do anything. But I just love the fire service and love meeting new firemen and hoping to make it better. Hopefully I have something to share. So Yeah, you uh, certainly do. And uh, and don't sell yourself short over that because you have a lot to, lot to bring to the table and a lot of people – need to hear your message and your stories and experiences. And I'll tell you the, the one or two stories you told today were very, very powerful. Um, and I think that that can affect change right away. And I, I really hope that people dial in on this episode and, and listen to some of your stories because they do matter and they make certainly make a difference. So I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing some of those stories today, chief. I really do. Yeah. Well, well, that's one thing about me. I don't read a book and then go make a class out of it. Yeah. I speak from the heart and I speak from experiences. If I, if I'm talking about a fire and I didn't make it, I'm going to tell you that. Um, but 99% of the time I use all my own footage and, and I'm talking about fires that I went to and experiences that I had because, uh, again, firemen can smell BS a long way away. So, um, if I don't know, I don't know. And I will, I'll tell you that, you know, so I just speak from the heart and, and uh, do the best I can. So thank you very much, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, spending an hour with me this morning, Chief, and uh, appreciate you joining me. Uh, it was a real honor for me as well. So stay right cool. there, and I'm just going to sign off, and then we'll chat offline for a minute, okay? Okay, buddy. Yes, sir. Great. Thanks again. Everyone, thanks for tuning in for another incredible episode of the National Fire Radio Podcast. District Chief Clyde Gordon, District Chief 8 out of the Houston, Texas Fire Department. You want to continue the conversation with him, this powerful conversation we just had? Look him up on Facebook, social media, and his email will be attached in the narrative below. Take this conversation. Listen to this episode today. Take some of these topics. Take it back to the kitchen table and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Hey guys, Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Today's episode is a little bit different. The script gets flipped on me, and instead of me hosting the podcast, I am a guest on the Primary Complete Podcast Show with Steve and Matt. These guys are doing a great job. A bang-up episode. Uh, a lot of great nuggets in there and things that I've talked about that I truly have not really talked about before on any other platform or podcast. So buckle up, enjoy the conversation, and as Matt and Steve say from the show, make conversation great again.